0: Good morning everyone. This is Brenda Graf with uh, Food for Soul. It is a gorgeous Saturday morning coming to you from Pinehurst, Texas. Um, it is uh, October 3rd and we are officially in fall. Um, it's so cold this morning I actually had to put on pants. <laughs> I, uh, I know it's going to warm up, you know, later this afternoon into the 80s, but um, it's, it's a nice day a really nice day, a perfect day as a matter of fact to, to take a walk in the park um, I was thinking this morning after a few minutes of visiting the news and I say a few minutes, a few short minutes um, because I, I wanted to stay in a frame of mind that would be conducive to a good day <laughs> if you know what I mean I had sat there and thought about you know um, it's like I I I know so many people right now that are um, going through a lot you know with this entire COVID pandemic Um, some that are that have just that have absolutely not been able to leave their home in the past eight months Uh, they've been um, without family and I know one particular, uh, which is a good friend of mine, she's uh, actually, uh, her name is Miss Devi. She is going to be 99 years old uh, this coming up, uh, well, in about a week and a half, and she's been stuck in her residential home that's assisted living now for uh, going on eight months she is uh, she's actually only been out one time during that entire time and if she is to leave the place to go visit with family um, or just even go out then she's got to be quarantined for 14 days and she was already quarantined for several weeks and she didn't want to have to go through that again but when i show up to visit her at her window i either find her Playing her keyboard or reading her Bible or doing a crossword. Um, I never find her feeling sorry for herself. Um, She actually calls and checks on me. (laughs) Um, It's like, who does that? You know, um, of course, I do call and check on her. Um, She has a cell phone, which Sometimes, I mean, if she doesn't put her hearing aid in, she can't hear it. So we often miss each other's calls. However, she is one of the most precious, uh, encouraging and influential people in my life. Um, when I catch myself uh, being afraid, as many of us have, I mean, let's just admit it. If we're not fear of COVID, um, then we're fear of our, the, you know, our financial futures, whether it be, you know, through job loss or possible. I mean, when we look around and we see companies, and businesses closing down still, even after this great opening that we just had. Um, there's a lot of uh, bankruptcy happening right now. Um, the future just is so uncertain. But every time I, you know, I talk with Miss Dovey, and we discuss—we we don't discuss a whole lot of this—but she always directs me back to trusting God. Of course, who else am I going to trust? <laughs> um, but it, it's so hard sometimes to trust something that's intangible, and so. You know, when somebody's going through a difficult time, it's easy you know, somebody, especially a believer will say, hey, you just need to trust God and mm, it'll all work out. Trust me. Well, what if it doesn't all work out? Um, And and believe me, I've been in situations where things just didn't work out very hard situations uh, throughout the years. And the only thing I, I have to remind myself, as Miss as Dovey would share with me, but she's a widow. She said that when she felt her times um, alone and frightened, she would just ask Jesus to hold her. And It was especially after she had lost her husband and every time she tells me the story, she cries, but she's not crying because of her loss. What she explained to me is she cries because she felt him literally hold her. She said, nobody believes her. (laughs) I said, Miss Debbie, I believe you. Um, I'm finding out these days how important it is, um, more now than ever, to not walk around living in a fearful mode. Um, It steals your joy, it steals your health, it steals your sleep, Um, it steals your other senses, Um, it overshadows uh, love. Patience. Kindness. I have to bring up kindness because we had a faith walking um, group yesterday that uh, we talked about this. Uh, The whole subject was on kindness. And and how do we show up and be kind during a time like this when it's so challenging to be kind? Um, It's... You know, we, if, if we are in fear, then we are walking around with a constant flight mode, you know, fright or flight. And we're destroying the good chemicals, the endorphins that are supposed to um, bring on those happy feelings and heal our bodies naturally. Um, and it's we really have to find strategies, you know, right now that um, can help us when we get in those modes. Um, we can't get stuck there. Uh, if, if you stay in a constant state of fear, it ultimately drives you into so much isolation that it it just magnifies. It's it's like a cancer. It just takes over all your thoughts your entire being, it takes over your schedule (laughs) because then you begin scheduling things around your anxiety. Um, You schedule. I mean, I I don't know about you. I know me personally, I have experienced panic attacks um, in the past. And in the past eight months, there was a period of time, at least in the first four that it was, excruciating, humiliating, embarrassing, um, just out of the blue, anxiety. I could be, you know, sitting there having a meal, um, standing in line at a grocery store. Uh, As a matter of fact, the last one I had was that I was in a grocery store with my son and my husband. And we were at the checkout and... All of a sudden I look up at my husband and I said, I can't breathe. I literally can. I, I said, I got to go. I got to go. Like he was like looking at me like I was insane. I was like, I've got to go. And he saw as soon as tears hit my eyes, he knew I was having a panic attack. And, you know, unless you've ever experienced one of those, oof, You have no idea how terrifying they are Uh, because oftentimes you feel like you're having a heart attack. (laughs) I mean, your chest just starts welling up. Some people uh, experience anxiety in their gut. Um, Unfortunately, mine starts literally right in the chest, the palpitations, the can't feel like I can't breathe. Um, I actually used to wear a little rubber band around my wrist. Um, that I would snap and pop. I had learned that through some counseling. Um, you snap it. So it, it draws the attention to the pain in your wrist. And so um, it, it works sometimes. But what I found is that deep breathing techniques work better. Um, for me, anyway. Um, I have to completely distract myself from whatever it is Um that's starting to send me to that place. Um, I have found through faith walking that um, recognizing the threat—you know—you think about what is the threat, what is behind this anxiety. Um, I know that mine was uh, just the, the the feeling that I'm just out of control. I can't. I have no control. I have no control over this COVID. I have no control over the people around me that are choosing to not wear masks or practice safety. Um, ooh, and, and that's probably honestly the worst for me. Um, and and most of these people, they have not experienced the COVID personally. They have not had anybody in their life that's died from it or known somebody close to them that's died. But unfortunately, we have. I have, and and we've spent the better part of our last several months mourning and grieving. And so I take it very personal when I'm out and um, I don't see somebody practicing this. But I don't want to. I don't want to not go out. I don't want to not be around others. Um, I, I have isolated myself for so many months, you know, in fear that all, all it's done is, is uh, it's made me, you know, just feel like I have to live in a bubble, you know, and, and not communicating very much. And, and that's not healthy. Um, there are ways to communicate. You can zoom, you can FaceTime, you can make a phone call. You can send an email. You can send a text. Um, I've got friends that send me emojis just for the heck of it. It makes me crack up. I love it. Um, We can't live in a society where we are constantly thinking about the inevitable. You know, my my biggest saying, I always say to my, my husband all the time, it's like, It's not a matter of if we catch it, but when it's like, you're sitting there looking at the clock going, okay, when, when is it going to be our time to suffer? (laughs) And that's a really bad place to be. And I, I'm, I'm having to really refocus and not look at it that way because when I look at it that way, it stops me and it robs me of this day, like it does so many others. It keeps you from experiencing the love of others because you close yourself out. Um, I've had conversations with uh, individuals that are so wrapped up in this political arena and so on fire with anger that I can't even have a normal conversation with them. And it's frustrating. So I've had to step back and say, you know what, when this election's over and it's all done and said, we'll have a conversation. Um, I don't want to be combative with anybody. Um, It's honestly just too exhausting. You know, we have so much, Worry about as it is, but we shouldn't spend our spare time or our free time bringing more worry to the table. Um, so I don't know where I'm going with this. (laughs) Where I'm going with this is about fear, we got to stop living in fear, and I'm speaking to myself too. Um, I have to share something that is funny. I had Two, two days in a row, um, I, I had to go to the market to get some items, and the first day, I, I was having a pretty good day, um, I went to the blood center uh, to get some blood, and I, it's part of my f- uh, phlebotomy therapy that I do uh, for a condition, but I had, I really enjoy going, no, I don't enjoy the needles, but I enjoy talking and visiting with the phlebotomist and the nurses and uh, the staff. It's, it's it's an outing for me, I get really excited, so I was in a really good mood. And then I had gotten to meet with my daughter who I hadn't seen in months, and it was so refreshing. I mean, of course we had to wear masks and keep our distance, and um, of course at the end of the day, hug, <laughs> something I had desperately wanted to do for so long. I was in a great mood you get in the grocery store and all's good, we get up to the register only had a few items. I asked the cashier, I said, do you mind, you know, just cleaning your hands before you run my transaction? And I asked it in a very polite way, but their response back was very um, rude, very ugly. And let's just say Brenda Graff, <laughs> Had to be put in timeout because my reactive anxious self just blew up, and I grabbed my items and left the cashier and went to hunt down a uh, manager. So, needless to say, I got my stuff taken care of. Um, I'm. I'm certain the girl did not get fired. Uh, She did get reprimanded for her comments that she made to me. But it was, it just, it made me feel discriminated. I became very, I felt violated. I felt discriminated against because I just wanted her to clean her hands. I didn't want somebody to make fun of me because they felt I was being paranoid. I didn't want, I just wanted to get my stuff and get out of the store, honestly, and go home. I was tired. It had been a very long day and it was a very long drive. It's about an hour away from my house. So needless to say, um, I got myself so worked up. I, all I did was exhaust myself and it didn't really, it really didn't fix anything. So um, anxiety is exhausting. Living in fear is exhausting. Um, this is the funny part. The next day. I had to go to the market. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I'm practicing from the time I leave my car, I got my mask on, I clean my hands, um, not just for myself, but I do it for others. Um, When I get to my cart, even though they've probably sprayed it, I carry some extra, you know, alcohol spray, sanitizer, I clean it myself. I'm thinking, okay, it's all good. I get my three little items, three or four little items. I get up to the register and I have to use a scooter in the store because I have a a messed up ankle and I get to the register and apparently the cashier, I don't know if she just forgot to put my groceries in my cart after I paid or just, I don't know. So I kind of tried to scoot around to get the stuff myself. And oh, by the way, she did clean her hands. She did it, did it with no hesitation at all. (laughs) I loved it. So she, um, didn't ha- she didn't even hand me my groceries, though, so I'm like, okay, no big deal. But one of them was uh, a big 32 uh, case of, of water, which was a little difficult for me to pick up, and <laughs> these two sweet elderly ladies that were standing there reached over to grab my groceries and put them in my cart, and I immediately put my hands up. I was like, nope, nope, nope. I got this. I got this. And then they, they were kind of startled. I said, I said, I'm so sorry. I said, "Um, I'm just trying to be really careful. And one of them just shook her head. Oh yeah, that's right. It was like, wow. Um, You know, we both kind of looked at each other like, this is odd. You know, we, we can't even touch each other's stuff, you know, want to help one another. And I did, I did tell them, I said, you know what? I appreciate this so much. I said, you know, this this is was such a kind gesture. Okay, so <laughs> I get to my car and I'm thinking, man, this really sucks. <laughs> this sucks. I shouldn't be afraid of somebody touching my groceries. I'm, I'm gonna probably have to wash them when I get home anyway. But so I'm, I'm sick of this hands-off living. You know. I get to my car. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm sitting there thinking, okay, whoo. I made it through the store. There's no scenes. Uh, Nobody sneezed and coughed on me. I go to put my stuff in the back of the trunk. (laughs) And this elderly man gets out of his vehicle with his mask barely hanging on his face. (laughs) And grabs my groceries and start putting them in the trunk for me. (laughs) And I started to tell him no, but I just looked up. I looked at him and I, I said, thank you so much, sir. I, I appreciate it. He goes, well, I needed your scooter. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I shut, I actually, I actually cleaned the, the, the handles for him. I, I said, well, here, I, I, since I just used it, I'll clean it. And he goes, oh, thank you. So I get in my car and I, I just kind of looked up at God and go, you know what? You really must have a sense of humor because I, I think he's trying to make me get over my fear. I really do. I, I, I think that it, it, it's just, <laughs> it's like, what can I do? I mean, it's like the guy who, I don't know if you've ever seen the YouTube videos, it's, it's hilarious, where the guy's in the bathroom scrubbing his hands with uh, uh, antibacterial soap and then he looks at the faucet that he just touched and washed his hands and turned off and he's thinking oh no my hands are contaminated again so he goes to wash his hands again then he looks at the soap and washes the soap and then um tries to find a paper towel to dry out it's like everything he was touched goes to touch the door handle and then realizes oh no my hands are contaminated again and then he falls to the ground like crying it's like there's just it's it's, it's a no win-win <laughs> almost <laughs> you're darned if you do and darned if you don't so, um, but I don't want to live like that. I still believe we need to take precautions. We can still live our lives and quit expecting the absolute worst. That, that's me. I'm a, I'm such a realist, you know, it's like, okay. I, I, and, and I'm a fact finder. So I look at the facts, I look at the circumstances, I go, okay, well this, this is just, inevitable <laughs> you know this is what's going to happen in this situation if, if if step you know one two and three doesn't get handled you know so I'm such a analyst um, so it's it's a little hard for me to just you know blow things off like most people do but I've also been in those situations where um, oh my gosh I remember when I was a child oof And I would get in trouble and my mother would say, just wait till your father gets home. We've all had those moments, I'm sure. Back in my day, we got spanked. Not just spanked, we got paddled. So um, my dad's favorite thing would be, I'll let you go pick out the belt. or bring me the paddle, you know, you, so yeah, you know, you've already got, you've already got that, that dun dun done, dun playing in your mind. Like, Oh boy, you know, here we go. Um, the fear just would drag on. Oh, it was miserable. So all day I'm sitting there waiting for dad to come home and I'm laying in my bed, praying and hoping to God, he does not wake me or he, or he doesn't tell me to get out of bed I'm hoping and praying that he has enough mercy to just think I'm asleep and leave it leave it you know oh but no Mm-mm. he woke up my butt would have me go get the belt because sometimes the paddles got broken <laughs> so we'd have to go pick the belt he'd say pick the thin one <laughs> to go get the belt and I remember just that misery uh, that sickening feeling as I'm walking to get the belt because I know what's about to come and I know it's going to be a very painful five to ten minutes and the worst part I would say is The full day of knowing oh at the end of the day I'm going to get my butt whooped (laughs) there's no getting around it there's no hiding from it there is no one that's going to stop it it's just going to happen the dreadful part then there's that moment when you're going to pick out that belt (laughs) and you know this is going to hurt but in a way you're kind of glad knowing you've only got a few more minutes to endure and get past this pain just a few more minutes just a few more minutes and then boom it's over that's it um i remember a time when i was going through um medically a really difficult time. I was, it was right after my son was, my last son was born. Um, to, uh, I thought I had a, uh, blockage in my heart and had to go through one of those angiograms and, and you know, for some people it's no big deal. Now back then, and I have to say back then cause it's almost, almost 20 years ago or it was, uh, about 18 years ago. Um, I was terrified i mean nobody ever wants to hear you might have a heart issue <laughs> um i i was i was having really bad palpitations and uh, tightness in the chest at the time so of course they were looking for blockage so anyway um i remember sitting there watching my family eat i had all six children living at home at the time and I'm watching everybody eat, just going on with their life, and in my brain, I'm thinking I'm going to die. I'm just going to die. <laughs> my heart's going to explode when they put that tube up my uh, artery, and, and it's going to be over. <laughs> I didn't know what to think. And then if I wasn't going to die, then I was going to die, you know, soon from you know major heart issues. Well, obviously, I'm still here. <laughs> But I just remember the fear, that, that, that horrible fear, um, you know, just thinking that uh, I wasn't going to get through it. It was the same way when I was diagnosed with cancer, when my son was uh, six weeks old, my youngest. And I remember sitting in a rocking chair, literally all night. Holding him, staring at him. It didn't matter how exhausted I was. And my one of my favorite movies was Con Air, and uh, I remember the song that was playing in it is "I Don't Want to Close My Eyes." I think it's by Aerosmith. "I Don't Want to Close My Eyes." Uh, I don't want to miss you sleeping. And and that 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 was me that night. And I remember. <sighs> begging God to give me 15 more years. Just 15. I wanted to see my son grow up. Well, let me tell you, folks, he's given me 17 so far. I I say this To encourage you to not waste your days in fear. Do not waste your precious moments with family. We should be living every day as if it were our last anyway. I think about um, Irma Bombeck's uh, poem. You've got to look up her poem. You know, don't wait for special occasions to burn that candle. Uh, don't not sit on the good furniture. Or do not, you know, just put your good dishes in some cabinet, you know, where, where you just look at them and you only bring them out for holidays. Look look at what good d- that does. <laughs> Here we've got Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up and it's like, oh, I've already got, I had one, one child already tell me, well, I'm gonna be busy. I'm like, oh, like we were gonna have a gathering? <laughs> Not, you know, um, or if we did, it'd be a very awkward outside, uh, let's keep it apart gathering, you know. We're still going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate every day that God has given us breath, every day that He has provided. We're going to celebrate love and each other as much as possible. I want to share a poem with you Um, I ran across this morning. uh, It's by Emily Dickinson. It's called The Inevitable. The Inevitable by Emily Dickinson While I was fearing it, it came, but came with less of fear, because that fearing it so long had almost made it dear. There is a fitting a dismay, a fitting a despair. Tis harder knowing it is due than knowing it is here. The trying of the utmost, the morning it is new, is terribler than wearing it a whole existence through. Y'all have a good weekend. Signing off, Food for Soul.